out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creek. Hey, paper people. What up? What up? What up? How you doing, Rob? Doing great. All right. Super excited for this episode. Yeah, it's a good one. Actually, uh, we had barbecue catered at work today, so. Really? From where? I did not eat baby back ribs, but I don't. Missed opportunity. I don't dine on the swine anymore. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But, uh, chicken then? Yep. Nice. Uh, it was this place, Hogs Wild. Okay. I told you about it before. I thought it was a chain, but apparently it's a uh, brick and mortar formed after a very successful food cart run. Really? Is yeah. it near your work? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. You're going to be. As we were just talking yeah. about, I'm moving close to your work now. There you go. You got, a, you got a good barbecue spot out there. Awesome. Yeah. That's all I ever really wanted. <laughs> It's all anyone ever really wants. Yeah, it feels kind of weird to be moving to the suburbs after like wanting to run from the suburbs for so long. Yeah. And now, uh, but you know, I thought about it earlier today and I feel like as much as I still love and appreciate Portland, it's really not the same city I moved to when I moved here. Very true. It's also weird how because of city living, you get so accustomed to everything being so close to you that... In my mind, I'm moving like super far out into the boondocks, even though it literally takes 20 minutes to drive from my current place to where my new place will be. Right. But it feels far. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it'll be a good change. Cool. Looking forward to it. So yeah, that's all about that. How's your day been? Busy, busy. Busy, busy. Busy barbecue. Busy barbecue. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, it's summertime. We're, we're slammed this time of year. That makes sense. Easiest time for installations and. We do a lot of we do a lot of work for a ten man shop. Nice! Wow, that's crazy. I didn't realize there were so few of you guys. Yeah. Huh. So move on to news. Let's I saw do it. you. Looks like you added some news on the technical side. Uh, it looks like NBC has uh, gotten a little more official with uh, hinting that they're going to be moving the office to their streaming service, and that comes out. Boo! Much to everyone's chagrin. Boo! Yep. Boo on NBC. Yeah. Yeah, and like you mentioned, there's no. We don't know if they're necessarily going to take it down from the other places it's streaming right now, but, you know. It would make sense if they did. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense if, you know, they didn't pull the show from other services. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe things can change, but I don't know if I ever see myself subscribing to an NBC streaming service. No, me either. Yeah. But deal with that when the time comes. Indeed. Hopefully we'll be, well, we won't be done with the podcast at that point. We'll be getting closer. It'll be interesting to see how many users Netflix loses versus the amount of people that sign on to NBC's streaming service. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. I imagine Netflix probably won't lose that many client customers overall. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw something recently about how last year, I think it was like 8% of people said they would drop their subscriptions if Netflix ever raised their prices. And then Netflix raised their prices, and I think they lost maybe 1.5% Wow, at most, if even. Mm-hmm. So you never know. 
been very incremental, small raises, though. Yeah. So. It's true. That's how they get you. Yep. That's how they keep you going. Yeah. It's like, eh, another dollar. All right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the things when I was uh, looking at the new apartment earlier today. I asked, um, just thinking about what level of lease I want to sign. If I want to go for a 13-month or an 18-month, you get certain amounts of money off up front. Right. And I asked uh, what the typical raise would look like if they raise the rent in a year. And he said it would maybe be 20 or 30 bucks the most, but who knows. I know Oregon passed a law uh, recently that it can't be more than 5% in a year. Really? Okay, yeah. so that was Oregon, not just Portland. Not just technically Portland. Technically, it won't be in Portland anymore. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well. There you go. There's all my concerns gone. Yeah. Feeling good. <laughs> you want to cover the next uh, couple news segments? Sure. Since you were the provider? Indeed. All right. So we talked before about Mindy Kaling and BJ Novak being seen in public. We did. A little bit more often than they had been prior. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that Mindy Kaling has asked BJ Novak to be her daughter's godfather. Did he accept? He did indeed. The godfather! <laughs> I can't do it. Was like that supposed Steve to Carell. be? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was terrible. <laughs> the godfather! Oh, was that supposed to be Steve Carell yeah, doing not, the not godfather? The oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not Marlon Brando. <laughs> yeah, okay. The Steve Carell version. Right. Um, I'm going to punch you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, I don't know what he was going for. (laughs) Yeah, the rumors probably weren't true that they were, you know, their relationship was heating up again. It's probably more because of of this. What if it's heating up more than we know and he's actually the real father? (laughs) But because of societal milieus and certain circumstances, he can't. Admit to it, so... It's possible. He's got to step in. That's possible. It's kind of a Jon Snow type situation. (laughs) (laughs) In other news, Jenna Fisher's kids presented her with a bill for her Mother's Day breakfast. Yep. And it's been all the raids on social media. Mm Mm-hmm. And they they even billed her for a piece of sourdough toast from a loaf that she had made. (laughs) The day prior. There's some industrious kids. Yeah. Apparently Jenna Fisher is a big uh, fan of bread making. Ah. So. But I saw they didn't charge her for the New York Times for Mother's Day, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They said this time it's free, but it's not normally. Part of me wonders if that's just an elaborate New York Times product placement. (laughs) Maybe I've grown too cynical over the years. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, that is kind of the most modern form of advertising, is it not? Yeah. Did her kids really write into that note? You know, some of that cross-hatching is pretty advanced. <laughs> kids that age. <laughs> uh, I got to sit down with their kids and ask them if it would be okay if I tore that note up in front of them. If, it, if they have any attachment to it. <laughs> Pam's up to her old tricks. Indeed. <laughs> well, that is adorable. Good for Jenna. Yep. Yep. Happy family unit. Yes. Hopefully. Seems like it. Yeah. From the outside. Yeah. From social media. Right. Yep. Although people usually don't post about their problems on social media, unless they exclusively post about their problems on social media. Celebrities don't typically post their problems on social media. I'll say that. I would say. Yeah, that's that's more what I would say. By and large, most normal people at one point or another do. 
Yeah, I feel like it depends on the level of problem. Some problems make you feel uncomfortable that someone's sharing it with a group of people who you wonder how close they are to all of them. It's like a small problem, no big deal. The worst is when people air their dirty laundry in their relationships on Facebook. Oh yeah, we've all seen that. Whenever that happens, I'm all, I always unfriend or unfollow or what. I mean, I don't even have Facebook anymore. But when, when you did, when I did, that was my practice. Because yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Shall we move on to the episode? Let's do it. All right. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> no, I'm not going to finish it. All right, leave me hanging. We can end the episode with it. There you go. All right. So this week we got the client. It is the seventh episode of the second season. It was written by Paul Lieberstein and directed by Greg Daniels. It aired on November 8th, 2005, and was viewed by 7.5 million people. Wow, they were really bleeding viewers. Were they? How many was it last week? 7.9. Ouch. And it was 8 the week prior. Oof. Yeah. What's going on here? I don't know. Rocky start. Maybe NBC stopped putting so much money into promoting the series. Maybe. Well, it took Seinfeld like five seasons to become popular, so. Yeah, I'm just, you know. Let's give it time, Rob. Let's not quit <laughs> on this thing just yet. <laughs> All right, so the episode opens with Ryan coming in, and he's wearing a suit, which I found kind of strange. I think it might be the first time we've seen him do no, that. No, he it's can't, not? I think the can't, the first day he showed up to work. Oh, yeah, you're right. He, he was wearing yeah. a suit. I want to say he has it every day. He, we just normally see him with his jacket off. Mm, maybe that's a temp agency thing then. Could be. So I feel like he drops the jacket at least later. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like most of the salespeople seem to wear jackets that they take off, at least the men. Right. Seems almost a little formal for that type of setting. Well. well it's also Pennsylvania, so it's probably pretty cool outside. Yeah. If they're going to client meetings, then it makes sense to have a suit. Right, but I don't see why, you know, Creed couldn't be casual all the time or Yeah, that's true. Toby. I mean I guess he probably could be Kevin considering Oscar. later in the series Ryan dresses however he wants, it seems like, and yeah. Nobody really seems to have a problem with it. It's true. Meredith. Well, she needs to be somewhat formal. Yeah. V- vendor relations. Unless it's casual day. <laughs> <laughs> Where are your panties, Meredith? <laughs> <laughs> Now your boobs out. <laughs> Bunch of prudes. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, Ryan's coming in wearing a suit, and he's got Michael's lucky tie back from the dry cleaner, <laughs> and also a pair of Levi's that he asks Pam about. What happened to his tie that he needed it dry cleaned? I don't know. That's a great question. I guess you can spill something on a tie, but... He was playing with it a lot later in the episode at uh, the client meeting, so maybe enough. it just... Gets a little greasy. Yeah. Was that before or after he was eating ribs? That's it, the question. Well, it was after the awesome blossom. I that's know that true. Like, those they things, got extra awesome. It, he did get extra awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess Michael probably ruins his lucky tie a lot. <laughs> Could be. And uh, But yeah, Ryan asks why Michael got his jeans dry clean. <laughs> Who dry cleans jeans? jeans? <laughs> and then we get a little cutaway with Pam talking about she doesn't know what it is, but Michael... And his jeans, he really loves those jeans. We get a little montage of him uh, kind of dancing through the office, wearing the jeans with a hoodie. Yeah. We see him wearing the jeans with what looks like a short sleeve collar shirt tucked in as he's got one leg up on a bench and he's uh, lifting a, a small barbell. barbell. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing like a square dance on top of a table next to Pam's desk. Yep. 
And then he like puts his feet inside trash cans and pretends he's on a horse or something. <laughs> also, I didn't fully catch the size of the barbell, but it looked like it was definitely less than 10 pounds. Oh, yeah. That was a five pounder. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he loves those jeans. So. so she takes the jeans from Ryan and then slings them under her desk. So yep. that, because she's obviously very annoyed at how Michael acts once he gets those jeans on. And just has no concern for the integrity of the dry cleaning job. <laughs> Very dismissive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, after that, the episode uh, intro plays. And once we come back from the song we all know and love and <laughs> skip heard, every time we watch the show. Yes. <laughs> thank the maker for that, uh, that skip button on Netflix. Oh, man. Where was that thing from the get go? Yeah. Just a good idea, sitting in the rafters. Right. Well, anyhow, after we skip the intro, we uh, open on a meeting with Jan and Michael, and Jan is presenting Michael with a projection of the county's needs <laughs> printed out. <laughs> Michael is super dismissive. He's just, ooh, graphs and charts. Somebody's been doing their homework. Yeah, looks like USA Today. <laughs> what? know what that means <laughs> i don't either do they show a lot of graphs and charts on usa today they might i haven't read a usa today magazine in quite a long time no. to be honest me either i guess i guess i've gone to the website from time to time but i haven't noticed a large amount of graphs and charts there yeah so i don't know yeah well either way uh yeah he's not looking over the papers like he should be we cut to jim and he's talking about how this could be a big deal if they get it. It's uh, for the entire county that they're in, Lackawanna County. And if they get this deal, they might not be downsized. And he can work there for years. And years. And years. <laughs> See, this is another, uh, I feel like it's a, uh episode that's out of order. Really? Where do you well, feel like it should have been? They've already been downsized. They already got rid of. That's true. Um, Devin. But it might not be the end of downsizing. That's possible. But yeah, that that is a good point. Yeah. And even in the fight, which is the episode after Devin's fired, he brings up that another branch is working through their lunches to avoid downsizing, yet here they are going off on an extended lunch to watch the fight. Hmm. So it's just, you know, it's interesting because I've never thought about it no, that much I. until going through it like this. And yeah, it just seems that a lot of these episodes were put out of order. But I, I mean, guess uh, we do find out, uh, I guess, about a season later from this point that mm -hmm. they are planning to just cut entire branches at a certain point. That's true. So it could just be an ongoing thing. And even it's yeah. even brought up in this episode that Lackawanna County has has been hasn't been outside of the effects of the economic downturn. Economic, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it could just be an ongoing thing. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the company is definitely struggling. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, from Jim, we cut back to Michael and Jan, and we have a clip. So when we get to the Radisson, I'd oh, like to... Oh, I changed uh, it to Chili's. Excuse me? Radisson just gives out this vibe. It's like, oh, I'm doing business at the Radisson. It's kind of snooty. So You had no right to do that, Michael. Here's the thing. Chili's is the new golf course. It's where business happens. Small Businessman magazine. It said that. It will. I sent it in. Letter to the editor. All right. But you will let me run this meeting. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Power trip. What? <laughs> Chili's is the new golf course. Small Businessman Magazine. <laughs> I love how he quotes it. And yeah. then, then we find out it's not even, in, he didn't even read it. But it will be. There, but it will be in there because he sent a letter to the editor. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's, he's so good. <laughs> Doesn't give off that same snooty Radisson vibe. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously Jan is not pleased. <laughs> From here, we cut to the rest of the office staff and, uh, well, not all the rest of them, but we see Oscar in a group and he's discussing a date where he went and met up with a woman and she had printed up an entire background check on him and was quizzing him about it line by line. That sounds awful. It does. Do you think that's a true story, though? I mean, it may have been a man who did that. That's possible. And he's just, you know... Not out. And it could have been a woman, too, because we do find out from Oscar. I mean, yeah, spoiler alert, everybody who is, for whatever reason, listening to this and hasn't seen the show, which is probably nobody. But uh, Oscar's gay. You'll find out soon. Yes. Sorry to to oust Oscar. I actually had a woman. She didn't print a background check on me. Uh Uh-huh. But she had me friend her on Facebook before we went on a date so she could send my profile to a cop friend of hers so he could do a background check on me before she agreed to the date. Did you go on to the date? Yeah. Okay. How'd that date go? Yeah. I mean. The woman's name is Carrie and she I'm not, lives in this apartment. <laughs> I'm not with her now, so. No, I... I I ended, I, I ended up seeing her a second, maybe a third time, and then that was it. But that does seem excessive. But I will say, at least, like that seems a little less insane than what Oscar. Had oh yeah, yeah. Him. No, and, I wasn't. And a- I could see someone if they underwent some kind of a trauma from some past date where they didn't really know the person they were meeting up with. How you might become overly precautious. She didn't seem to. Honestly, she was the kind of woman who had a lot of guy friends Mm -hmm. and seemed to use stuff like this just as an excuse to reach out and like get in contact with them and she kind of like kept around a bunch of guys in order to like you know never be without a date kind of thing gotcha yeah which was fine you know yeah it's still weird to go to the trouble of requesting access to someone's facebook to yeah do some background check but again like this day and age a woman needs that in order to feel safe to go on a date with some random person on the internet i understand yeah it's not that intrusive i feel like i'd be a little weirded out if somebody made the request of me but i don't see why i wouldn't give it to her like i mean it's not like she's asking for my account login info no yeah so sure why not right yeah i don't have anything crazy on my facebook that i'm not comfortable with literally the entire world seeing because who knows still a little weird because i mean there's pictures from like college where yeah i'm at parties and i'm obviously inebriated what about the time you killed those hitchhikers you got pictures of that up (laughs) (laughs) it's just you know it's stuff that like maybe you don't want to present to somebody you're just meeting yeah, no, before you go that. out on a date with them, but I mean, but whatever. it's all like fairly normal stuff, right? So yeah, there's nothing weird. It's whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
Besides the hitchhikers, of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Oscar's story. Uh, seems intrusive. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. He did date women for a time. He mentions that later, oh, which is what true. I was driving at. That's true. Um, but either way, Pam walks up after Oscar is just about finishing a story, asks what they're talking about. Jim tells her they're telling worst first date stories, and Pam immediately gets excited and says that she wins and tells a story about how her date brought her to a hockey game. And when the game ended, uh, he left uh, with his brother, who was also on the date with them, and they forgot her at the stadium. And then (laughs) I think Oscar says, that can't be true. Yeah, maybe Jim asks her when that happened. Yeah, when was this? And she says, not too long ago. (laughs) And Kelly. Yeah, Kelly immediately starts laughing and says, please (laughs) tell me it wasn't Roy. (laughs) And Pam gives her a look, and she goes, oh my god, it was Roy? (laughs) I feel like it's one of the first inklings we see of Kelly as we get to know her, instead of the shy, barely speaking Kelly from every other episode so far. Kelly, who loves drama. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe this story is what, you know, let her open up to work. (laughs) (laughs) Coaxed her out of her shell. (laughs) You never know. Yeah. I mean, we hear about her early life, and it seems like she was never that different from she the way she is as we get to know her. So right, maybe she was just shy. So this was their first date, Pam and Roy. Yeah, I guess so. That's crazy. It's also interesting that Pam said not too long ago, considering she's at least in her mid-20s, and if that happened when they met in high school, it's at least almost 10 years ago at that point. And given that, it may be possible... That this was Pam's only first date. Yeah. We don't know that. We don't know if she's dated anyone besides Roy. That's true. They never go into it one way or another, as far as I can think of. Yeah. No. They do? Oh, no. Well, it's after Roy. She dates Danny. Danny Cordray. Cordray. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's after Greatest love story ever told. (laughs) He's a very handsome man. (laughs) (laughs) That's that can't be him. That's a male model. <laughs> Says a lot about Pam that she stuck it out with Roy after that. It does. Yeah. She clearly doesn't have a lot of self esteem. Right. Didn't then, doesn't now. Poor Pammy. Yep. She was a art nerd. She had her turtleneck. It was hilarious. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we get a talking head of Jim after this and he's saying that he always knew that Pam refused to go to sports games with Roy, but he never knew why. Interesting. (laughs) He's looking a little smug about it. A little bit. Yep. Uh, from here we cut to Michael and Jan on their way out of the office and Michael calls out to wish them luck, which Dwight immediately responds with good luck, you guys. (laughs) Uh, Jan thanks him, and Michael says, kiss ass, <laughs> under his breath, but loudly under his breath, so everyone can hear. Right. And uh, then he stops to address his staff and tells them, you know, the meeting's probably going to go late, so everyone could just take off now if they want to. <laughs> Jan jumps in. Yeah, she is not a fan. She asks him, uh, does he always tell people to... <laughs> Just leave if he's going to be out of the office. The meeting probably won't take more than an hour. <laughs> and he retorts with, they really just don't get a whole lot of work done when he's not there. <laughs> and then upon seeing the expression on Jan's face. Backs it up. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> so actually, you know, they they get more work done when I'm not here. Not not nope. more. Nope. The same same amount of work. It's <laughs> done whether or not I am here. <laughs> she just looks at him like he's a moron. Yeah, I wonder what time it's supposed to be because I assumed the meeting was at four. Four, okay. Well, at least according to to the deleted scene, I was going to say prior to watching the deleted scenes, the just now I've watched them before but forgot. Yeah, like I assumed it was early in the day when we see them. Oh, really? Michael and Jan, at least, talking about the meeting. But Uh. now, after seeing the deleted scenes, which. Well, it's nighttime by the time they leave Chili's. That's true. You know, we assume they're only there two, maybe three hours. And I guess it's also nighttime by the time the office staff leaves after reading the script. Yeah, that's true. Even before that, because they set off the fireworks. and That's true, and it was already five, I guess. We see Roy come in when they're close to the beginning. But anyhow, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, it was funny how the deleted scenes show a bunch of stuff prior to Jan showing up when mm-hmm. what made it to the episode was just she was already there. Right. And uh, I kind of liked some of the deleted scenes. I feel like they should have left in... <laughs> the melon baller. The melon baller. Michael going on for length about this diet that he's on where he eats... Uh, was it hard-boiled eggs and yeah. cottage cheese? It's hilarious <laughs> to me that he feels like he needs to use a melon baller on an egg yolk in a hard-boiled egg because... If you get to the point where you can see the yolk of a hard-boiled egg, you can just pop it out. Yeah. You don't need like a tool to get in there. Well, as he as he disclaimed to Pam as she was laughing, I like there was almost like half an outtake as well as a deleted scene. I know, I know. She just could not keep it. <laughs> he explains that you know the melon baller was his idea, his addition, even though he took the diet from that doctor that used to be four hundred pounds or something. <laughs> Even before <laughs> even before she starts laughing, you can tell she's on the verge of breaking through yeah. the whole scene. Oh, it's great. Loses it once he brings up the melon baller that he keeps in his desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyhow, back to what made it into the episode. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, Michael turns to his staff after talking to Jan and tells them that they have to stay and work. And it's an order, so follow it blindly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird little evil laugh. Mm-hmm. And off they go. And we've got a brief clip of Jan and Michael in the parking lot as they leave the building. So which way is Chili's? Uh, I'll drive. Oh, no, that's all right. I want to leave straight Wait, from there. It's just a couple blocks away. So, boy, you really don't know Scranton, do you? I know Scranton. At all. All right. Have you ever been to Scranton, Jan? If it's a couple Dirty blocks away, we can go together. Okay. Jan Levinson Gould. Jan is cold. If she was sitting across from you on a train and she wasn't moving, you might think she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to include that clip just for that last part, yeah. mostly. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Great description. Jay. Dirty, dirty, dirty. <laughs> that is pretty great too. <laughs> yeah, honestly, at I, all. I don't even think I had noticed that watching through for this. <laughs> it's funny how you notice certain things when you just have the audio. Just, yeah, as opposed to oh, for sure. The whole picture, for sure. I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, they are on their way to the meeting, and they are sharing a car, which I feel like is important as well for yes. the way the episode moves forward. Indeed. Um, on the way to the meeting, we get some shots of them in the car and Michael is saying to Jan that they should come up with a signal they can use 
And uh, Jen asks why. In case one of them gets in trouble. Yeah, what kind of trouble are you planning to get into, Michael? (laughs) Well, it could be you too. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it seems like they do not come up with a signal. No. So they get to the meeting. They walk into the Chili's, and it looks like their client, uh, who we find out shortly is named Christian, is waiting for them. They introduce themselves, and Jan introduces herself instead of as Jan Levinson Gould as Jan Levinson. Michael immediately notices and latches onto it and asks her, No Gould? What happened to Gould? And she kind of dismissively quickly says they got a divorce. And Michael (laughs) instantly wants to know all about it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? (laughs) What happened? Yeah. Wow. Right, Right in front of the client, too. And you can tell that he's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, he... He's just kind of sitting there passively, standing there. Right. Kind of looking at his shoes as soon as the divorce topic comes up. Just Yep. <laughs> yeah. And Jan appropriately tells Michael that's inappropriate and uh, they're in a meeting. So right. they can talk about it later. Yeah. And they walk to their meeting. Um, I'm going to bring up the client. Client's name is Christian. I don't think we ever get a last name. And he is played by Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows, pretty famous guy, he was born February 5th, 1961. He was one of the longest-running cast members on Saturday Night Live and was on there for 10 seasons. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. It Actually, is. I think uh, Keenan Thompson recently dethroned him. I think he did. Yeah. I Yeah. He's officially the longest-running cast member. He has been doing sketch comedy for... His entire life, seemingly. Yeah, since he was a small kid. The Roundhouse. We were watching him. Oh, yeah. The Roundhouse? Yeah. Was that what? Wasn't that the show? Oh, no, All That. All That. The Roundhouse predates All That. I oh. Think. Yeah. Well, that's that was a, my time, I guess, maybe. That was a, we're the same age. I mean, we're the same age. <laughs> it's, uh, it had the grandfather and the re- remote-controlled uh, Lazy Boy. You know, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So I'm sure I did see it. Maybe I was just pre my being cognizant of what things were called. <laughs> yeah, true. What they were. But yeah, Keenan got his start on all that. Right. All right. So back to Keenan Thompson. No. <laughs> Kel? Tim Meadows. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently Tim Meadows' parents uh, were a nurse's assistant and a janitor. And he studied uh, television and radio broadcasting at Wayne State University. Hmm. He is a Second City veteran. Ah, there you go. Yep, that's where he got started. Second City. A lot of Second City alumni. Yeah, it looks like he also uh, started in Second City alongside Chris Farley. In 1991, Ah. he got on SNL, as we said, did that for many years. Oh, it says here his record was surpassed by Keenan Thompson in 2017. There you go. And he's still on the show, so. Yeah. I just got a couple years on him. Yep. There's no coming back, unless I guess he does come back. <laughs> it was on the show for a number of years. So, yeah, Tim Meadows was on SNL for a long time. He starred in the movie The Ladies' Man, which was a Saturday Night Live movie, I believe. Yes. Um, he has been in a ton of other movies and shows. He was in the Michael Richards show. Short-lived NBC sitcom. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that. I feel like I've seen one or two episodes, and it was different. Maybe I would appreciate it more now. Was it a talk show? 
No, Sketch it was comedy? like a variety comedy show, kind of. Michael Richards show. Yeah, was, I feel like it was somewhat of a sketch comedy show, if I remember it correctly. Interesting. If you're remembering it wrong. Oh, okay, so I was remembering it wrong. He's a private detective. Yeah. Was that called the Michael Richards show? I guess it was. Huh. I mean, I remember that. Yeah, I guess I was misremembering just something, maybe mixing a couple projects together that didn't exist. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so I guess he was on that. Um, he was the school principal in Mean Girls, written by Tina Fey, another SNL alum. Yeah. He's in Coneheads, It's Pat, Wayne's World 2. It's Pat. I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. That movie weirded me out when I was younger. It weirded me out too. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how that holds up in 2019. Probably not well. I would imagine not. <laughs> it's added to the list, Rob. <laughs> He's in the Bench Warmers with Rob Schneider and David Spade. He's been a frequent guest on the Late Show with Craig Ferguson. He was in the short-lived Casey Wilson, Ken Marino, NBC sitcom Marry Me. Mm. Never saw that, but I love Ken Marino and Casey Wilson. It was, I watched an episode of that. Not great. No. It was very run-of-the-mill married couple sitcom. That's a bummer. Yeah. Even laugh tracks, I believe. Oof. So, yeah. That's too bad. Mm -hmm. And he also has a reoccurring role in Brooklyn Nine-Nine as Jake Peralta's prison roommate. I don't know if I got to that point. Oh. Makes me want to get back to the show. There you go. Yeah. All right. Tim Meadows. That is Tim Meadows. The man, the myth. The legend. The legend. <laughs> from here they sit down at the table to start their meeting and we have actually got a pretty long clip because there's just a lot of good stuff in here and it seemed worth playing at all all right i thought we could start by going over the needs of the county right well lackawanna county has not been immune to the slow economic growth over the past five years so for us, the name of the game is budget reduction. Awesome Blossom. What? I think we should share an Awesome Blossom. What do you say? They are awesome. You want to, Christian? Awesome? Sure. Okay, sure. it's done. Actually, Megan, may we have an Awesome Blossom, please? Extra awesome. Now it is done. So, hey, um, I heard if you have a, a very, very funny joke the other day. You want to hear it? Christian, you don't, you don't have to listen to this. We it's okay, I like jokes. Okay. Just the one. Joke. Just one joke? Okay. Well, if it's just going to be one, I will think of a different joke. Um, Dunder Mifflin, this is Pam. Pam, it's Michael. I need you to go into my office and check some data for me. Okay. Um, you want me to read them? Yes. Okay. Um, a fisherman is walking down Fifth Avenue, leading an animal behind him. Nope. When... Nope. Told it. Not as good as you think. Pick another one. Okay. There's a transcript between a naval ship. Okay, bingo, and a lighthouse. Yes, that is hysterical. Could you start that one from the beginning? Sure. There's a transcript between a naval ship and a lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny to me that Jan has a complete lack of trust in Michael's ability to make a sale. She really does, and it's surprising considering she would have access to his sales record. She must not have been with the company while Michael was a salesman. Or That's something. possible. Yeah. Or just has such disdain for Michael that <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, maybe it's, it's hard to see past it. Maybe it's possible she just never really had to deal with Michael at all until he became a manager. Yeah. So, and now that she's gotten to know him as such, she has no faith. And it's very clear from her constantly trying to take charge in the meeting and the way she's going about it that she has no sales acumen None. whatsoever. Yeah, she's awful. Yeah. She's just trying to be all business. Too cold, Way as too Michael cold. pointed out. Yeah, it's true, though. <laughs> And you could see Christian from the moment that they meet, you know, and sit down, just the way he delivers. I like jokes and mm-hmm. how he's all about having an awesome blossom. He seems to be in no rush to leave this meeting at all. No, I mean, so long as as Michael is keeping him entertained. Yeah, he seems that he and Michael immediately seem to click. Yeah. And, but I've noticed, too, rewatching this last time and taking notes, which I never really noticed before. Mm-hmm. That throughout the episode, every single time, as it happens a bunch, when Jan interjects and starts bringing up business things, he deflates a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just every time, he's just like, all right, like now we got to do this. I mean, he probably wasn't excited about this meeting at all. No, it seems like he instantly is just assuming he's going to turn it down, but hearing them for whatever reason. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I mean, it appears he's not, like, super enthusiastic about his job. But Mm -hmm. any distraction from that, he's all about, which makes total sense. It does. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's pretty stressful handling a budget for an entire county. Oh, yeah. Even, I mean, who knows how much of the budget he handles, but any aspect of it. Right. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he has Meredith's job only for the county. Hmm. Yeah. That could. Yeah. Could be it. So... Maybe I got some state coupons for him, depending on how the night goes. I love in this clip, Michael, Christian, you don't have to listen to this. No, that's okay. I like jokes. And Jan's like, okay, Michael, one joke. And he's like, oh, only one. Okay, well, then I'm going to tell a different joke. Let's see. And then he excuses himself from the table, says he has to make a phone call. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I like that we see them in the background while he's on the phone with Pam, and they're just sitting there, just not speaking to one another. Right. Pam, or I feel like Jan is staring at Michael and Christian is just looking off into nowhere. Sipping his margarita at that point. Yeah. yeah. Washing down that awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming they got it already. Yeah. <laughs> he he does he interrupts he interrupts Christian just as soon as Christian starts talking about budget cuts. Mm-hmm. He's trying to avoid that topic completely until I feel like he's delaying until they've had a number of drinks. And Michael's able to like get that, you know, personal touch in there that Yeah. yeah. He's gotta be able to know the client to be able to say and that's Michael's sales technique. I mean we see when he works with a telemarketer, you know, he's not capable of just reading from a script, making the sale. He needs to really get to know somebody and empathize with them. Not only that, but you go through his Rolodex and he's got personal facts about all of his clients on yeah. the back of their contact information. Color-coded. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one was in green, which means go ahead and shut up about it. <laughs> Most colors mean don't say it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, Michael gets his joke from Pam. We cut back to Pam, who's still in Michael's office, putting away his joke book, and she notices something in his file cabinet, Hmm. takes it out, and immediately gets very excited. And uh, we see her run up to Jim and show it to him, and he instantly is blown away and 
What does he say? Great job. And says, no, he says, no way. Oh, this right. can't be real. <laughs> yeah, she assures him that it's real, and it appears to be a screenplay that Michael has written called Threat Level Midnight. Oh, yeah. And it stars Agent Michael Scarn, and there's pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jim's flipping through, and he gets to the last couple pages, and it's Michael's like hand-drawn concept art. Yeah, it looks like something that a talented eight-year-old would draw. Yes. Yeah, they definitely know how to how to draw stuff, but they don't quite have their motor skills. They don't have the they don't have the eye for detail or shading. No, it's very yeah. simplistic. There's no shadow, no shades. <laughs> yeah. It's just like bubble figures. Right. And um I read that the initial plan was to have a professional artist come in and draw these pictures, and they mm. did. And they the professional artist could not make them look bad enough <laughs> that they wanted to use them for Michael's images. So <laughs> The pictures that we see in the episode are actually drawn by Greg Daniels. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So from here, we uh, cut back to Michael, and he is just finishing up a joke about, you know, different professionals driving cars that ends with somebody saying, well, I'm a proctologist, so I drive a brown probe, and Christian (laughs) loses it. He just starts laughing hysterically. Says, oh my God. <laughs> it's just that awesome blossom coming out of my nose. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jan sighs and orders a drink. A vodka tonic. <laughs> Can I get a vodka tonic? Uh, we come back to the office and now everyone is piled into the conference room and it looks like Jim has made, Jim and Pam, I guess, have made copies of the scripts and distributed them. And he is assigning roles to everybody. Uh, Dwight comes in in the middle of it and starts yelling that they took something that didn't belong to them, <laughs> made copies. And, uh, Jim cuts him off to offer him the leading role, Asian Michael Scarn. What you guys are doing is wrong. This does not belong to you. Jim's like, Dwight, what are you talking about? This is a movie. This is for all of America to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy it, they shall. Yes, and they do. And uh, now we cut back to the meeting at Chili's, and we have got a brief clip. Oh, that's delicious. I love it. We would probably be upset with ourselves if we went this whole night without talking business. So Dunder Mifflin can provide a level of personal service to the county that the warehouse chains just can't match. Well... We are out to save money. What's the bottom line? That's why I wanted a signal between us. So I wouldn't have to just shout nonsense words. That's her fault. Did somebody say baby back ribs? Hmm? Hmm? I don't think Christian has time for that. I have time. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back. Steve Carell's got a decent singing voice. He does. Yeah. He sounds good. He did. with that. Yeah. Really, really hits the key just right. And we see why he needs his tie dry cleaned in the beginning of that clip. The noises Michael is making for anybody listening, not watching, is... He's chomping down on an awesome blossom with the, what is it? It looks like the Rolling Stones mouth. Well, yeah, it's just the back, 
the back part of his tongue right, has, has a mouth has on a it. mouth on it, and he's just using it to chomp down on an awesome right. blossom. And Christian is loving it. Can't oh, get yeah. enough. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Jan looks like she can kill herself right there, and yeah. that would be preferable. She to, just yeah she she ends up putting on this face like she's she just ends up being totally resigned. And she's just waiting for the meeting to end at a certain point. Yeah, and she doesn't seem to think they're going to make the sale. It's also worth pointing out that she ordered a vodka tonic. Nowhere on the table, now in front of her, is a margarita. Ah. So she's really putting back the drinks. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's bad enough she has to deal with Michael, which she already <laughs> seemed to be dreading from the get-go. But now she's dealing with Michael and a kindred spirit that somebody he's found who's, in this yeah. guy. Somebody who's <laughs> just completely humoring his every whim. Yeah, and seems to be very genuinely doing it. Oh, right? yeah. He's just like, they're the same type of person in yeah. this regard, at least. It's too bad they don't become, like, friends. That would have been amazing really if Tim Meadows was just a regular yeah. in the office, at even least, for one season. Uh, yeah, exactly. I just, I really could use more Tim Meadows and everything. For honestly. real. It's Where, great. Yeah, agreed. Great. Agreed. And I feel like he gives every character such a... I can't even really explain it. Just a very distinct personal touch. I feel like they're all very different from one another. And it's just like everything he does is little mannerisms, the way he speaks. And you really, even if he only has a limited amount of lines, you get a real sense of who this person is, which is just a really impressive feat it for is. an actor. Did you ever see Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? Yeah, that, that too. I love, my favorite character. I love every single, <laughs> in every single era of music, Tim Meadows is there offering Dewey Cox drugs, whatever the hot drug of that era is. Yeah. He's always trying to get him to like not take yeah, the drug, but That's as he terrible. describes the drug, like... It just sounds so amazing. Yep. <laughs> uh, that was the best part of that movie, in my opinion. It's a great character. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, from here, uh, yeah, it's actually a clip that starts off and is probably the longest clip that I've clipped so far. Maybe the longest we've done on the show so far, <laughs> but it's all worthwhile. It's about 10% of the whole episode overall. It actually is, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I realized that when I was clipping it. And it takes place right after the baby back ribs, but seemed worth talking about that before jumping into it. So here we go. Inside the FBI, Agent Michael Scarn sits with his feet up on his desk. Catherine Zeta-Jones enters. Sir, you have some messages. Not now! They're important. Okay. What are they? First message is, I love you. That's for me. Not in a thousand years, Catherine. We work together. And get off my desk. Yes, I have acted before. I was in a production of Oklahoma in the seventh grade. I played the part of Mutie, the mailman. They had too many kids, so they made up roles like that. That was good. If it isn't my old partner, Samuel L. Chang. Agent Michael Scarn, you lost some weight. Thank you for noticing. Now, keep me company for one more mission. Hey, uh, I have to work But as late. soon as I blow out these candles, I'm retired. Talking. Michael Scarn takes out a 9mm gun and shoots the kid to the Ha ha ha, Agent Michael Scarn. You so funny. Word. Michael's movie? Two thumbs down. Hmm. 
A man sitting several seats down who has a gold face turns to Michael Scarn. Uh, ooh. Oscar, you want to play Golden Face? <clears throat> Mr. Scarn, perhaps you would be more comfortable in my private jet. Yes, perhaps I would, Golden Face. Sam, get my luggage. I forget it, brother. Samuel, you are such an idiot. You are the worst assistant ever. And you're disgusting. Dwigged? Wait, who's dwigged? Here's what we think happened. Michael's sidekick, who all through the movie is this complete idiot who's causing the downfall of the United States, was originally named Dwight, but then Michael changed it to Samuel L. Chang using a search and replace, but that doesn't work on misspelled words. Leaving behind one dwigged. And Dwight figured it out. Oops. D-W-I-G-H-T. Okay, you know what? I am done with this. That's it. The end. Well, some of us want to keep reading. Uh, You don't speak for everyone, Jim. Okay, announcement. My uncle bought me some fireworks. And anyone who wants to see a real show, come with me outside now. That's actually a good idea. We'll all take a brief intermission. Hey, are you hungry? Yeah. Yeah? I love how in the middle of that we just hear Michael and Christian slurping yeah. on, on baby back rib bones. I'm glad you brought that up. I <laughs> definitely made a mental note to contextualize that. And I love that Jan is just sitting in between them looking completely disgusted. Oh, yeah. But she's looking, you know, she's looking specifically at Christian, too, who's literally just going to town on this little piece of cartilage <laughs> at the end of one of the ribs. Uh-huh. Oh, man. That was great. They're really enjoying themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, what else happens in that clip that maybe doesn't come across in audio? Roy comes in and interrupts the reading to leave. Right, to get Pam to go home. And uh, it's pretty incredulous when she tells him that she... Has to stay late. <laughs> You're joking, right? And uh, yeah, we get all the characters doing their reads. I love Dwight and his line deliveries. <laughs> yeah. And Ryan. Yeah, Ryan is more into it, I think, than we've ever seen him be about anything. Yeah. And in the deleted scenes, he's even more into it. He's like play acting things. It's true. There's his character gets shot and he slumps over on the conference room table. Yeah. And he's laughing and smiling the entire time. Ryan coming alive. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's having a great time up until old Dwigged. I don't think we see any of these scenes in the the episode where they actually like show the movie. Yeah, I think you're right. I guess yeah. there have been a number of rewrites before he starts shooting. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And get off my desk. <laughs> <laughs> His delivery is great. Yeah. I really, I don't know why, but one of my favorite things in any comedy of any kind is when a great actor is pretending to be a bad actor. Yeah. It just tickles me in a weird, specific way. That's funny. (laughs) Alec Baldwin and 30 Rock with his mugs. (laughs) A lot of good examples. Mm -hmm. So yeah, from here we move on uh, after their script reading gets broken up and Pam and Jim... Start talking about eating some food. Cut back to the meeting where they have finished eating. And we get Christian in the middle of telling a very personal story about how I think we catch him saying after seeing his mother go through so much pain, he decided to make good on that promise to take care of her. 
And then they say, okay, Jan, it's your turn now. <laughs> and uh, Jan, understandably, does not want to share something. Well, I think they're... Well, I guess it's not truth or dare. That, that's what I was thinking. It could be... It was something similar to truth or dare, or maybe it's just like... Yeah. You know, tell somebody... You know what I could see it being, just thinking forward into the episode when mm-hmm. Charles Minor starts the company. Maybe Michael said, Christian... Tell me something about yourself you've never told anybody, and I will too. Mm. And then, you know, or I'll start. And then Michael said something, and then we just got Christians, and now we're moving on to Jan. Oh, that's, yeah. Because that was one of his icebreakers with Charles, who Charles immediately just shut it down. No. Right, <laughs> right. Huh. Yeah. And Charles wouldn't even tell him. Michael switched over after that, asking him if he's married, and he wouldn't even answer that. <laughs> So yeah, whatever the case is, uh, Jan is reluctant to share, and they kind of peer pressure her into it, tell her it's not fair, she has to, right? and she brings up her divorce and says, uh, you know, that basically she and her husband were on different wavelengths, she always wanted kids, he did not, they each knew that going into their marriage, and they each thought that they could change the other person's mind, and they could not. Yeah. She says she was stupid. And we get a little interplay that I also clipped. It's a much shorter clip than the last one where Christian starts to get a little weird after uh, Michael protests and says she wasn't stupid. You know, Gould was stupid and Christian agrees. And and we got this little nugget from him. (laughs) Really brave. I mean, you, you put your arms out there. You slit your wrist. It's true. You said, world, this is my blood. It's red, just like yours. So love me. (laughs) (laughs) yeah odd very yeah odd guy yeah odd choice of words to use if i were with a stranger and they described something i did that way i would that throw up some red flags for me i think yeah i would have the face that you just made to me right now which is the same face that jan was making to christian yeah as he was speaking it's just (laughs) what is happening right now Uh yeah christian's a little bit of a freak i like that they threw that in there because it makes it seem more plausible that he would have so much common ground with michael that you know this guy that we don't really see that much of besides him enjoying michael's company is kind of a weirdo yeah yeah or at least dramatic yeah hyperbolic very Very. (laughs) um but Anyhow, we cut back to the office. We see Jim, who is gathering a whole bunch of food and food-related items, drinks, into a big box. Mm -hmm. And is explaining to the camera that he had plans to get together with a friend tonight that he had to cancel. But this is cool, too. He's not a complainer. And he flashes the camera a giant smile as he goes to climb the ladder to meet Pam on the roof. Mm -hmm. They are sitting down on the roof together. It looks like they have a couple lawn chairs folded out. Mm -hmm. Which, where did they get those? I don't know. (laughs) That's a great question. Pam somehow has a citronella candle that she lights and puts in front of them. Says it's for the bugs. That's also a good point. Not sure where they got that. (laughs) I was going to say they could have gotten a candle. Maybe if they found Kevin's bathroom candle stash. But I don't know why he would have a bug repellent candle in the bathroom. No. So, yeah, that's that's also a good point. They seem very oddly prepared for a night on the roof. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jim also brings his famous grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. Pam is delighted. 
what is this? I think she mentions the citronella candle, and he says that's great because bugs love his famous grilled cheese. Right. And she says she can't remember the last time somebody made her dinner. And uh, At which Jim feels very proud of himself. Yeah, he smiles as he sits down next to her, and yeah. they each have their separate plates, and the camera pans down to the parking lot, and we see <laughs> Kevin and Dwight uh running around in circles with fireworks yeah there's just like a fountain firework it's not even anything really no it looks like yeah there's one small firework that's on the ground and they're running around it i think they're holding sparklers no it's just it's just the one firework running around the one dwight Dwight jumps over it at one point and then like kicks his leg over it and kevin's just kind of like i don't know (laughs) <laughs> moving around excitedly yeah. watching Dwight do all this all these stunts around the fireworks he's not hooting and hollering like Dwight no uh, but he's enjoying it yeah and from here we cut back to the meeting once again at the Chili's where Michael is actually coming around to a sales pitch yeah he's talking about how long he's lived in Scranton mm-hmm. and the street he grew up on and how he understands the challenges that is, are facing Lackawanna County, and he knows where all the schools and the hospitals are. Yeah, I like that when he when we get to this point of the sales pitch and the conversation too, that Michael has taken off his jacket and his tie, and he has his sleeves rolled up. He's just in like super casual mode at this point. I feel know? like they're all on drink number five or six too. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Probably get a little hot under the collar. They're not even <laughs> sitting at their table anymore. Now they're at one of the stand-up tables by the bar. Right. Yeah. Didn't think about that. Yeah. So they probably finished their food and then we're like, oh, let's grab just one more drink. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Michael comes around to, as you said, explaining that he understands the needs of the county and... Uh, you know, these big box companies, you know, they will swoop in and lower their prices to steal clients. And then as soon they, as all the competition yep, dries up, they drive the prices up again. And yeah. Christian agrees that he knows it's terrible. And he says, you know, he could actually see to giving them his well, business. Yeah. Yeah. Christian says, oh, yeah, I know it's terrible. And that's yeah. when Jan perks up and she goes to make the pitch. And Michael yeah, quickly he, he stifles her. And lets Christian come to the conclusion himself right. that he's going to give them their business, but they have to meet him halfway. Uh huh. And as soon as Christian says that, Jan looks over at Michael and gives him the... the Very fuck, happy the f- look. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something a little more crude, but Uh-oh. yes, a very, <laughs> very happy look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess what you were going to say is definitely accurate as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <thinking> about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. She is very impressed with Michael all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And just like shocked that it's actually happening. I mean, right. She's long since given up hope. That That's the thing. Anywhere. Yeah. She had resigned herself to the fact that the sale wasn't going to happen like an hour before it got to this point. Mm-hmm. So. so yeah, from here we cut back briefly to Pam and Jim leaving the office and discussing their plans for the evening. Jim plans to travel and find himself in yeah. the eight hours the, they have yeah. before they have to be back at work. Right. As he's explaining this, he's putting an earbud in his ear. Yep. Pam asks him if he has new music and if she can listen. And he says, yeah, and gives her an earbud. Cue Sing by Travis. Was that what the song was? Yes. Ah. Produced by Nigel Godrich. Oh, oh you know what? Wow. 
I know that song, and yeah. I never noticed that that was that before because you only catch you know the the beginning of it. My second girlfriend in high school. That was uh, that was our song. Ah, yeah. And I remember reading an article. I mean, this is very useless information. It has nothing to do with the show. Uh-huh. But I read an article, um, an interview with the band Travis, and they were talking about how they spent a lot of money getting Nigel Godrich to produce their album and ultimately felt let down because they didn't gain the notoriety or fame as the bands he had produced prior. Huh. Which just sounds to me like he was a crybaby, but... Yeah, like, I'm with you there. Yeah. But anyway, if you want to hire Nigel Godridge, do it because he's great at his job, not because you're hoping to ride his coattails to exactly. Fame. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If Nigel Godridge can't give you the bump you need, you got to look inward. Exactly. To figure out what's going on there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent with you there. So anyway, they have a romantic moment in the parking lot, listening to "Sing" by Travis. Yes. And uh, speaking of romantic moments, now we see the Chili's parking lot. Where Christian is uh, driving away and they're saying goodbye to him. And the second mm-hmm. his car pulls out of the parking lot, they start cheering and jumping up and down. They can't believe they got it. And they embrace each other. Yep. And Michael swoops in with a kiss as they embrace. Yeah, quick peck. Quick peck. Congratulatory and she's, peck. <laughs> she's into it. She likes it. And he goes in again and yeah. they share a pretty passionate kiss. They do. Very passionate. Mm-hmm. Considering, well, I guess it makes sense also considering how much she hates him, you know? Right. Hatred's a powerful emotion. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, you don't have strong hatred without some other underlying feeling. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, I mean, it comes from a place of passion just as much as love does. Yep. And uh, I feel like you can't really, really hate someone anybody as much as someone that you also love yeah (laughs) or admire in some way at least yeah yeah but uh that aside yeah they uh kiss passionately and after they pull away from each other says let's go yeah she looks around for the cameras though, Uh uh-huh and she doesn't see them the cameras duck behind a car oh i didn't catch that as yeah the cameras duck behind a car as soon as they see pan or jan scanning the parking lot ah. for the cameras and as soon as the coast is clear so she thinks she says let's go very nice yeah and uh michael says oh, where do you want to go it doesn't matter let's go go to the go-go <laughs> go to the go-go okay <laughs> yeah he hops in the car <laughs> laughing yeah <laughs> we cut to the next day uh we see i guess the camera person enters the office abruptly and we see dwight is sleeping in uh, briefs only underneath a thermal blanket. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that the camera crew makes the decision. They must show up before anybody every day. Yeah, just so the they don't- way they opened the door, too, it almost seemed like they kicked it in. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah flipped on all the lights, and yeah, there yeah. was there's Dwight sleeping. Obviously, like a little caught off guard. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's very self-conscious about the fact that he's there and his wife beat her. And well, do you know why he's there? Well, he's waiting for Michael. But do you, do you know why though? I didn't think about it until right this moment. No. But now it makes sense to me after talking about the episode with you. It's because Michael told them to keep working and to sit tight. Oh yeah, until <laughs> I get back. Yeah. 
So he holds up the second direction. That's amazing. Yeah, that did not occur to me until just now. Like, I always wondered why he was there. Like, he blindly followed Michael's orders. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he noticed that Jan's car didn't leave, but I doubt, I don't even know if he noticed that. No, he didn't. It had no. nothing to do with Jan's car because he notices it for the first time when he looks out Michael's office in a moment. Well, he doesn't even notice that it's her car until Jan pulls up in the cab. Right. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, he was sitting tight <laughs> until Michael got back. And that's also why he calls out for Michael. Yeah. When says, the camera crew comes in. Right. And when he realizes his car isn't there, he's like, what does he say? Oh, I should check the accident reports. Right. Yeah. And uh, he walks into Michael's office uh, to look out the window. Still wearing just his boxer briefs. And uh, he I looks down. I think they're down. just briefs, honestly. I Were think they're, they're just, just blue briefs. Okay. Yeah. I, guess, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Wearing his briefs. It's uh, not a pretty sight. <laughs> no offense, Ryan Wilson, <laughs> who I'm sure listens to this every week. Um, and he looks out the window and he sees Jan and comments about it. She's getting out of a taxi cab and going to her car. And she, once again, I also didn't think about this until you mentioned the camera ducking behind the bush just now that she looks around to see if anybody sees her. And there's Angela standing in the corner of the parking lot, looking at her with a very judgmental look. Of course. And then she looks up at Michael's window and sees Dwight and looks kind of horrified. I think she also sees the camera. That's what I was about to say. I never thought about that until you just brought that up, that it's not just Dwight. That's her problem. It's Dwight plus camera person. Right. Which is a bigger problem. Yes. She hurries into her car and drives away. Mm-hmm. And then next we see Michael come into the office, and he is pretty happy. Very chipper. Very chipper indeed. Walking on cloud nine, that guy. But you can tell he's he's exercising restraint. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Especially considering it's Michael. Yeah. A lot of restraint. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, he comes in and... uh we uh, goes into he goes into his office. We cut to him sitting alone with the camera, where he says that he's not going to tell them what happened or if anything happened because a gentleman doesn't kiss and tell, and neither does he. Mm-hmm. And he giggles, and then immediately divulges everything that happened. Yeah, <laughs> in full detail. Doesn't take more than thirty <laughs> seconds. Nope. He's, and you um, know what else is funny? They're not even saying anything to him. No, it's just all him. He yeah. just feels just the camera being on him is pressure enough for him to crack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says that they went back to her hotel. They made out for a little while. They talked about her divorce. She told him about his, her divorce. They talked for about five hours, and she fell asleep on his arm. And it was great. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dwight comes in immediately and starts asking Michael slash accusing. Did you do her? Who? Did I do who, Dwight? <laughs> Jan you... Levinson Gould. No, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no Gould. <laughs> Did you do her? <laughs> that is none of your affair. She is your boss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but she's also your boss, Michael. <laughs> she is a woman. <laughs> she is a strong, soft, thoughtful, <laughs> sexy woman and i won't sit here and let you talk about her this way i'm gonna defend her honor and then he turns to the cameras jan i defend, I defend your, your honor. honor 
And uh, I like that, I, I don't know what Michael's defending against, saying that he won't sit there while Dwight talks about her that way, because besides his question, all Dwight says is, she's your boss. <laughs> so, just kind of a factual statement. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, Michael defends her honor. <laughs> uh, we see Jim and Pam at Jan's, at Pam's desk uh, discussing that Pam, Jan didn't come back for her car last night and asking if Agent Michael Scar and maybe fa- finally found his Catherine Zeta. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have another clip, the last clip of the episode uh, of Michael. I know we have to register as a consensual sexual relationship with HR. My question, do I do it as the man? Does she do it as my superior? I don't know. That leads to other issues that we may have in our relationship. It's, uh, excuse me. Hello? Hi. Just talking about you. The camera, no. Uh Uh-huh. How's traffic? I miss you. What? Okay. Well, if it was a mistake, it was a wonderful mistake. No. No, I did not intentionally get you drunk. fight. This is just a first fight of many fights we're going to have. Right. No. I don't understand. You want to see other people. Only other people. What? Okay. I think you're still a little bit drunk. Excuse me. Excuse me? I think you're... Yes. Why don't you just come back here and go to the hotel have a few drinks? No, I didn't slip you something. I love that literally seconds after saying, no, I didn't get you intentionally drunk. Yes, I think you're maybe still a little drunk. <laughs> Back to the hotel. Have a few drinks. drinks. <laughs> I also love that uh, for anybody listening uh, who's wondering what that you mind is in the middle, how Michael, the cameras are still in the room with him. So he takes the phone with him underneath his own desk and is curled into a little ball in the middle of it. And then the camera walks around to the other side of his desk and just brings the camera down to him. And that's <laughs> him angrily saying, do you mind? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to date other people. You only want to see other people. <laughs> it's funny how just after one drunken evening together, he's already talking <laughs> like they've been on a number of dates and are in a budding relationship. And he says they have to file for a sexual relationship with HR, and we find out later that they have not had sex. I mean, even his admission to the cameras was just that they made out and talked for five hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he tells people that they slept together, and she says, you know, they didn't even sleep together, so she doesn't know what to do, he (laughs) retorts with, well, we fell asleep in the same bed, so technically. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, Michael just, you know, he he's a man of a lot of passion. <laughs> uh so yeah, we from here we cut back to Pam's desk and Jim is chatting with her, leaning up against it. Mm-hmm. And he says that some may say they had their first date last night and 
Pam playfully asks, uh, you know, who might say that? Why might some say that? Yeah. And he says, well, you know, there was dinner and fireworks and music and dancing, a show, and a pretty good date. She says they didn't dance. And he he agrees. Yeah, it wasn't really dancing. It was more swaying. <laughs> kind of like dancing. And she says, uh, swaying's not dancing. I feel like she still, you know, has a playful tone. Yeah, a little bit. And Jim gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, gets snippy and says, well, at least he didn't leave her at a high school hockey game. <laughs> and she immediately gives him the cold shoulder and says, gets offended. I have a number of faxes that I need to send out. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And storms off and he tries to save himself. He calls out after her and she does not come back. It's funny that she storms off considering the fax machine is behind her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, I guess, did not consult her Rolodex of excuses. I guess that hasn't really been established yet, though, either. No, but I feel like we've seen it there before. Even Maybe. If yeah. It hasn't been anything specifically focused on it. Right. But no, you're right. Uh, but she leaves and. We get a talking head of Jim saying that he knows it wasn't a real date. You know, she went home to her fiance, so can't be a real date if right. you're dating. Goes home to her fiance. Right. And then we get a final shot of Jim sitting at his desk, and he looks back at Michael through Michael's open office door, and they share a sympathetic look with one another. Yeah. Just kind of sharing like a... Kind of like a shrug. Like, yeah, what are, like, what are you going to do? Gonna do? Like... And it's funny because neither of them know the context no. of the look that they're giving each other. Yet they're both sharing it for very similar yeah. reasons. I love little Jim and Michael moments like that, though. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, it's always fun when they have those little yeah. little sides, little connections. Little, little windows into the respect they hold for one another. Jim and I are great friends. <laughs> we hang out a ton. Usually at work. <laughs> and that's the episode. That is the episode. Pretty good one. Indeed. So, I can't think of anything else to say about the final scenes unless you've got anything. No. Ratings? Ratings! Ratings! Yeah! So I think I went first last week. So you're on deck, Rob. All right. Pressure is mounting. Oh boy. You gonna put your arms out there? You gonna slit your wrists? <laughs> <laughs> this is me. I bleed red, world, just like you. So love me. <laughs> love me. <laughs> I love that when he's saying that, going through that, and he starts off with the, no, it wasn't, so you put your hands out there, you slit your wrists, Michael pipes into the background, yeah, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really, really love this episode. Me too. Might be in my top tier, so I am going to give this episode a rating of 10 out of 10 secret signals. Whoa. Yeah. First 10. First 10. I'm doing it. That's that's crazy. Yeah. 
think we're on a similar wavelength for most of the show because I'm there with you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give it a 10 too. I don't know what to give it 10 of though. Yeah. It took me, it took me a second. I came up with it just as we started this. I need to start thinking about that as I go through the episode mm-hmm. in preparation for the recordings. It's always on the fly, which is fun most of the time, but I feel like sometimes you can really dig deep and find something really, really good. Ooh, I know what All right. I'm going to give it. You inspired me. I was vamping for you while you thought. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm going to give the episode 10 out of 10 disgusting dwicts. <laughs> See? That's a great one. That's a came great, great unit of measurement there. Yeah, wow, our first 10s. Yeah. But I mean, same episode. There's so much in this episode that you get our we get our first hint. Well, not even more than a hint. You know, threat level midnight. Yeah, that's a huge introduction of something that we see throughout the rest of the series, or at least hear about. You know. Yeah, and we just get a lot of character relationships get changed and pushed oh, yeah. forward, and yep, a lot of good stuff. And I mean, yeah, I you know wrote the outline and clipped the episode. And I know I've brought up to you a couple times, maybe we use too many clips. And then I went and clipped like a quarter of the episode. Cause it was just like, <laughs> you know, I could take selections of this, but it's all so good. It like is, I just yeah. want to, I want to get it all. Yeah. Should have just played the entire episode, just the audio <laughs> of it. Just talk over it in spurts. <laughs> right. Oh man. We got a lot of good Jim and Pam moments mm-hmm. that really pushed their, relationship forward even though it didn't really end the way jim was you know hoping for no but i feel like it kind of it makes me think it's on theme with the last episode we discussed the fight how Mm -hmm. you know i feel like we're seeing just kind of another level of this relationship how in the first season and before this point it was kind of all happiness and sunshine and you know just cute little harmless flirts Mm -hmm. and as we see you know, probably both of them kind of increase in how they feel about one another. The feelings are getting more intense. Maybe Pam is denying it a little more actively than Jim is. Right. We see it starting to cause a lot of tension Mm -hmm. from time to time. It's bubbling up now where they get snippy with one another and, you know, they're, they're hurting each other more frequently than they ever did before. It's true. And I feel like, I mean, Jim's also putting himself out there a lot more. That's true, and I feel like that's just, but yeah, but I feel like it's just, you know, they're getting, well, for better or for worse, right. the relationship's becoming more intimate, you know? Right, I'm, agree- I'm agreeing yeah. with you in that. Oh, no, I understood. Yeah, Jim is putting himself in the position to be hurt mm-hmm. more frequently, you know? He doesn't even really know how she's going to react to these things, but he's still putting those ideas forward. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's getting to the point where, like, you know, as you will see towards the end of the season, where all these emotions are starting to bubble up and he mm-hmm. can't really contain them like he was. Right. right. Yeah. And I can see Trouble it in paradise. being confusing for Pam because she does have someone at home to kind of, in a sense, release that tension. Whereas Jim doesn't have that. I, I guess he's still with Katie, but. Oh yeah, Katie. She's never I forgot she even existed. She's never talked about. He no. doesn't talk about her ever. So yeah. She's obviously just a placeholder for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and we saw Kelly kind of coming into her own more in this episode. Mm-hmm. We see Michael in a, a romantic situation. This is the first time we've ever seen him 
It's true. Even, you know, trying to handle somebody romantically. Yeah. And he immediately goes for the ice queen. Right. And we see how badly he really wants to have that person in his life. Mm-hmm. Because one night with Jan where they make out and talk a lot. In his mind, he's, he's in a relationship. Oh, yeah. He's already <laughs> in a relationship. And they're going to have to disclose it to HR. And, you know, he's six months down the road already. He wants the tickles and the giggles and the ketchup fights. <laughs> That's right. The picket fence. So, yeah. Really great episode. It, this is the first Paul Lieberstein, Greg Daniels team up we've had for writer-director team. Is it? I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh. So. Match made in heaven. Really, yeah. You can... You can almost tell that they've they're on the same page already. Mm-hmm. Like Thirteen episodes into the series. Well, they had worked together a bunch already. I mean, maybe in more stuff, but definitely in King of the Hill. I know. Well, no, I know that's episodes. my point. Yeah, exactly. Is that they and, they yeah, have I'm a disagreeing with you, right? Yeah, yeah. they have a, a a vibe going. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught what I just did there, but I didn't. I just named the episode chronologically. I got it in there. We did it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, enjoy that, listeners or viewers, whatever you people are. They could be watching. They could be watching. I mean, is there a camera in here? In this day and age, you never know. I mean, we've got a camera anywhere. Got them on our phones. I've I've got two laptops with cameras. We're surrounded by cameras. Yeah, that's true. They could be watching. Hypothetically, we have like six cameras pointing at both of us, (laughs) and those are just the ones we know about, right? world is a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> just laugh the pain away <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so that's it yeah that's all we got the client yes great episode 10 out of 10 for both of us truly is a classic office episode it is yeah yeah good stuff all right we love you guys we do so much you mean everything to us. We might need to disclose it to HR. I think we do. We're reaching that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the question is, do we do it as the hosts, or do they do, do, they do it, it as, as the, the listener? Or viewers. Yeah, right. Mm. Mm. Well, let us know. Let yeah. us know what you think. Yeah, please. Yeah. We've got the social medias. We do. So check us out on social media, drop us a line, or don't. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the boss of you. <laughs> not yet. You don't, have, you don't have to follow us blindly. No. <laughs> but you should. But but don't. Yeah. I mean, they might get more listening done when we're not around. That's true. But at least the same amount. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> Take it easy. Peace out, paper people. Chili's baby back ribs. Chili's baby back ribs. Barbecue sauce. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back. Chili's baby back ribs. I want my baby back. Chili's baby back ribs. I want my baby back ribs. It's barbecue sauce. Exactly. Sauce. 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 Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Sounds great. So much better. Barbecue sauce. There you go. Yeah, much better. Give us a little edge on it. Just a little more. How's your Barb
Out of Paper is not endorsed by DLD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The Office, the Office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of The Office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.